When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, The Hook Rocks? This is Tyler Baker from Goodbye June. You are listening to me and Jay Scott talk about crazy stuff. Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope uh, you're getting ready for the holiday season. I know, uh, and also the new year. And I mean, it's like compared to last year, there was so much stuff going on. And now we've got kind of some normalcy back to life. I'd say probably, you know, 70% normalcy, but it's, um, a lot better year in just terms of that. We still got a long way to go, I think. But 2022 is knocking at the door. So I'm really excited to uh, always begin a new year. New year means new beginnings, new opportunities. So always, uh, always excited for that. I am Jay Scott, your host of The Hook Rocks. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts, such as Vinny, Apathy and Carmen Apiece with local Chicago promoter Ron Anesti. Check out the Hanging and Banging podcast with those three. Also check out Baco with Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historium, as well as Mistress Carrie out in Boston. Although all of them have been guests on The Hook Rocks, as well as Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, the Great Kiss podcast. We've also recently done a collaborative show called The Zeppelin Chronicles, where we talk once a quarter about Led Zeppelin 
and we break down the albums, we break down the songs. We just did the first official episode after our intro back in, gosh, what was it, September? We discussed Led Zeppelin 1 and all that that entails, the songs, the production, the touring after that, what that album meant in terms of rock history. So check that out under the Shout Out Loudcast moniker on any podcast platform. Also check out PantheonPodcast.com and search them up on all social medias. And you can follow The Hook Rocks on at The Hook Rocks on Twitter and also Facebook. Uh, follow us wherever you do podcasts. We are available on every platform, whether it's Apple, Amazon, or Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. You can find us everywhere. You can check out all the latest and greatest episodes. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download. So when we do drop an episode, it goes right to your phone and it makes your commute so much nicer to and from work. And if your significant other is yelling at you or complaining about you, just slip on those earbuds and listen to the smooth sounds of the Hook Rocks podcast. Takes all your stresses away. We've got some great recent episodes that we've done, uh, including the episode with one of our great followers, member of the Groove Council, Skylab Tapes, uh, on protecting your ears and your hearing at rock concerts and what you can do to help prevent damage. A lot of these shows we go to are extremely loud. And as you get older, you start to get that ringing in the ear and you start to feel it a lot more. So we discuss the avenues that you can take, whether it's headphones, whether it's uh, whatever. Uh, but it's a great episode, great, interesting episode. It's always great to have Rob on the show. We've also did an episode back at the beginning, or I want to say middle of November, on the streaming platforms and how they proposed lowest royalty rates in the history of music. If you want to hear me and Christy and Eagle get fired up, that's the episode to do it. Some great new music spotlights, including Crashing Wayward, Abby Kay, Seven Stones, Odd Even, and The Issue, Band from Minnesota. So check all those out as well. And one of the episodes we did recently was on the Phil Lynott documentary. We welcomed Ema Reynolds from Dublin, Ireland, onto the Hook Rocks to discuss the film that she made, Phil Lynott, the man, the musician, and who he was, and his legacy as the front man of Thin Lizzy. My next guest is the second time. It's the second time he's been on the New Music Spotlight. Uh, a great, great musician, a great dude, a great band. The band is Faust, and the guest is Chris Faust from Nashville, Tennessee. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Jay, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Um, uh, thank you for the kind words and always a pleasure to get back uh, chatting with you again. And the last time we talked, um, we went down like a, a blues tangent, which I yes. can, I'm always down for, but um, super glad to be back. And thanks for having me on. Awesome. And glad, glad you're here. Uh, glad to have you back on. You've got something to talk about, uh, which is really exciting. And, you know, with 2021 being the year of music, in my opinion, I think 2022 is going to give it a run for its money based on what I know is coming out next year. Um, there's so much great music that has been released over the 12 months, probably last 15 months, because the last few months of 2020, we saw some great albums released by ACDC, The Struts, Tyler Bryant, and so many others. Uh, and that continued really into 2021, where 
there's just been every week more music being released and you've got a new EP out, um, which is absolutely tremendous. Um, the EP is called it's a vibe. It's got a great album cover and, uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. So, uh, as far as that goes, how excited are you to have this out right now? Uh, you know, I am over the moon. I am ecstatic. All of those adjectives all rolled into one. You know, it, this EP, um, it's a vibe, you know, was shaped by a year stuck in lockdown. And it was a very different process making this record than our first EP revival. And I think if you listen to them back to back, which honestly I would recommend doing it and you can kind of feel our evolution, you know, revival was a very raw, very visceral. I mean, the, the majority of those tracks, except for please the last one, they were all recorded live, uh, in the same room, you know, um, there's a guitar on the left, a guitar on the right, screw ups and all are in there. Um, the vocals were recorded in, in my car. Uh, through my, uh, Apple, you know, iBud or, uh, like ear, ear pods, whatever. Um, that's how those vocals were recorded for that record. Um, and it's just very off the cuff, very real, very, you know, it, what you, what you hear is what you get with that record. Um, but this new one, um, it, there was a lot of introspection and a lot of just thinking. I had, a, all of us had a lot of time to think. And a lot of time to listen, you know, and that's pretty much all I did over the, the pandemic was listen to just insane amounts of music, get, getting into a lot of things that I hadn't gotten into before. And then, you know, how that listening experience kind of shaped my emotional state during the pandemic. And that's what a lot of these lyrics came out of. Um, and, you know, two of these tracks on this record are two tracks that I had recorded previously one that was unreleased and another that was released in a very different state when I was 14 years old or 15 years old. So, you know, a long time ago, um, but able to revisit them with, uh, this, you know, fresh state. I don't know. Like, um, I, I'm just really excited. I think this, this EP really sets us up to, to kind of go to the next level. I think from a sonic perspective, I think it pushes us in a very, you know, a much more approachable, you know, sonic area than maybe the first EP did. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the cover. The cover is of me as a child. Um, both my parents were musicians. And my mom snapped this of me a a as a kid. And, like, you know, for me, rock and roll, it's a vibe. It, it just is you know it's it's so much to me it, it, the music is obviously important but it's it's about it's about attitude it's about the state of mind it's about that you know just the, the cool factor of it you know um and and that's kind of where we landed with this with this record cover and the name um is that it's it's a vibe rock and roll is a vibe so uh, that kind of sums up the experience but man um we're just so excited to get this out and, you know, in the ears of our listeners. And hopefully, since it is a more polished, a little more um, hook-driven record, that, you know, we're, we're hoping that we can kind of expand our audience. And so far, uh, you know, it was released on December 3rd, 
um, not that long ago, uh, you know, that we're seeing kind of the results of how this sound has really pleased our existing fan base, but really opened us up to a younger demographic and a younger audience. So we're super excited. It's you should be excited because the EP is awesome. And, you know, listening to it, there's a ton of evolution with you guys on this. I mean, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. There was a little bit of previews here and there um, that I saw. Um, But when I turned it in or turned it on or put it on, I should say uh, it uh, it's a huge step for you guys. It really is. And I thought, it's such a, a natural next step too, as well. You know, I mean, it didn't sound like you were forcing yourselves to try to get into a box that sometimes artists do. Um, I think that this was probably over time, which was, was happening because, you know, the last EP was a little bit more raw, like you said, but it also had more of a, a grungy type of feel um where this still it still has that element in there but it's more it's more of a straight ahead rock album and which i found really pleasurable in listening to it was that evolution that you talk about was that something that you were striving for or just it just happened because of things going on in the world or things were you know things that were going on in your head in terms of what you wanted to hear you know it's it's a combination right i think um that first record, um, you know, the, the both records kind of happened at very pivotal points, you know, in, in my life. That first record, there is this, it's very raw, it's very visceral. Um, I mean, but 100%, I had, I had lost, I had lost a job. It was very scary. There was just a lot of unknown and there was a lot of anger, you know, um, and, and I think that definitely came through on that record. Um, Whereas this pivotal moment was a global pandemic. And, you know, the only way I can describe that is just absolute uncertainty. And I also had a child in April. We had our second, our second kid in April. And you throw that in the mix in the middle of this pandemic. And it, it's just, it's, it, it'll mess with you, but uncertainty, right? So I kind of channeled all that uncertainty into songwriting and what i did is i definitely approached the songwriting more holistically this time uh the majority of the tracks were either written you know solely by me or by myself and todd our drummer and we we sat down and we we wrote them from start to finish it wasn't a let me take this guitar riff and see where this takes me it was like no this is this is the vibe this is the direction this is where this song is putting me right now in this headspace. And we're going to complete that, um, you know, in, in this day or two, we're going to get this song complete um, and, and capture this moment. So it was, it was a much more concise process. Um, now the way that it sounded was, I, I would say, you know, that is a songwriting perspective, but from a, you know, an, an aural perspective, the way that it sounds was mainly driven by what we were listening to, you know, uh, from my perspective, you know, uh, I was listening to a lot of pretty reckless. Uh, I was listening to a lot of later Blackstone cherry, um, you know, bigger kicks, bigger snares. Um, 
And I, I was listening to a lot of things like the Eagles on top of that. And a lot of, you know, like, I hope no one judges me for this, but like, you know, a lot of Poco, a lot of um, Doobie Brothers, which is a lot of vocal harmonies in, you know, and I love vocal harmonies. And I think that's one thing that is missing a lot in rock music is just vocal harmonies. I mean, Alice in Chains, that they, you know, their their sound was almost based on that harmonizing, that, that fifth between uh, Lane and Jerry. And I wanted to kind of recreate that and, and bring it and modernize it. And that's why there's a lot of vocals on this record. I mean, at some spots, there's four, five-part harmony on there. So it, it's it's thick with vocals. So um, it, a lot of it was really shaped by what I was listening to. And, and it was. It was it was a mix of more modern records that had pr been produced in the last you know five to ten years. And then listening to these classics where everyone in the band sings. Um, and, and I think that really shaped how this record turned out. There's a video on YouTube that people can find of the Doobie Brothers performing at the Grammy Awards. So I think they're doing What a Fool Believes. And the harmonizing that they're doing live. I mean, it's not lip sync. A lot of sometimes those performances are lip sync. They're doing it. Like they're harmonizing all those guys. And it sounds phenomenal. And you're right. I mean, it's a lost art of four or five, you know, vocal harmony, four or five part vocal harmonies on, on background vocals and choruses. And, you know, when you think of the Eagles, you think of the Doobie Brothers, you think of even Journey, think of Van Halen. Um, so many bands were able to do that and put that part, put that in their music. And it seems to really have gone away. Um, as part of rock, you don't really hear that a lot. Is was that something that you wanted to really focus on, or you you went for, or was it just you were listening to this stuff and like, wow, this would be kind of cool, and and uh, put that element into the type of music that we're making? Well, yeah, a, a little bit of it was experimentation. I've been listening to a lot of um, early Eagles records, and you know, um, a lot of the Doobie Brothers records, and just. Side note, my mom came in clutch with the floor seating for the Doobie Brothers. They, they're on tour right now, or they were um, for their 50th anniversary. And honestly, I went in thinking, wow, this is this is going to suck. Like, there's no way these guys can pull this off. And boy, was I wrong and blown out of the freaking water. I mean, you know, because they also had Michael McDonald up there on tour with them. And I'm like, okay, didn't see that coming. Love it. Um, but uh, that that's a, also an experience where I'm like, man, these guys can pull this off live. Like, and, and I kept like, there's, there, there's tracks. And then I, I see them perform like, nope, definitely no tracks there. But um, you're right. It's a forgotten art. And I think, you know, minus a few acts, you know, as soon as you get into the late nineties and new metal kind of becomes that primary source of rock music. Um, or heavy, heavier music, there's, you have baritone vocalists, which don't utilize, you know, multi-layered vocals. Um, and then it's almost, for me, it's almost like disappeared in modern rock music. But um, I'm hearing all this stuff with these classic records. And I'm like, man, I at least want to try this. And um, there was a track called uh, You'll Never Know. And that was on that that was originally written when I was 14 years old. And 
um, re-recorded it for this record. And like, you know what? Let's just thicken this thing up. Let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And it worked. It it and I'm like, okay, well, there's that one. Let's see how it sounds on the dark, which is our single or our first single off of the EP. And I took that verse track, that that verse melody, you know, recorded that already. So I, now I'm revisiting the song. Let me lay down a harmony on top of that, see how it sounds. I'm like, oh man, this sounds so cool. So it was just kind of like, well, if it's working on this track, it's working on that track. Let me just keep going and see see how far we can we can take this. Uh, so it was definitely a risk and an experiment that I feel at least sonically has paid off. I think it makes the record really rich and hopefully listeners can take a listen to it and, you know, hopefully be surprised. What were the, you know, the challenges of, of, of making this record um, during the pandemic? And I mean, I've heard logistics and doing things remote. Did you experience any of that stuff? Oh, absolutely. We did. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately fully vaccinated, which I highly suggest everyone do. Um, but I, I, I still got COVID regardless and I was out of commission for, you know, four weeks. I mean, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, you know, and, and we had to learn to evolve and learn how to make music in different locations at different times. Um, and, you know, the goal was to make a great EP through any means necessary. And, you know, we had a problem and we found the solution. And the solution for us was, um, okay, so here is the dummy tracks. All right, now, Todd, go lay down the drum track. Uh, okay, now let me lay down this guitar part. Okay, hey, Brian, here's this part thus far. Send me your guitar part okay, let's edit it. Okay. We might need to go back to the drawing board. So it was, it was just a lot of communication and a, a coordinated effort between, you know, all the members involved. And I think because all of us had this same get it done mentality, you know, especially myself and Todd, um, we were able to just make it work. You know, it's because for me, the options were make an EP or don't make an EP, you know, and we wanted to make an EP. So let's find the solutions to make it happen. Um, you know, we utilized um, a lot of, you know, file sharing back and forth, uh, a lot of emailing back and forth. Um, you know, I'm a big efficiency guy. So we utilize things like Slack where we can track, um, you know, it, it's, a Slack is like a, a professional messaging and file sharing platform. A lot of big, you know, uh, organizations and companies use it to communicate. A lot of marketing departments use it. And, like, well, why don't we use it? You know, it makes complete sense. Let's throw in a mix and then everyone makes their comments to that specific file. And then we, you know, I'll make the edits and your files, dump them in, do another you know, stereo mix, drop that into the platform and let people make notes. So we have this really interesting, um, and maybe one day I can like release that. Like people can take a look at, hey, here's the first mix. Here's what it sounded like. And then here are the notes that we made on it, you know? Uh, but that's kind of how we we made it through. As far as writing, everything was happening, you know, in the world, and, and I've talked about this several times on the on the podcast. But for you, when you picked up the instrument after seeing all these things, and you know, 
going through like this, just going through all this, like everybody's doing. How was the tone different in the way you played and the way you wrote? Um, you know, A, it definitely did. And it, it, it kind of depended on the day. I, I personally am, I'm a person that leans toward darker emotions, but I try and, and, and buffer that with a lot of like hope, right? And, that's kind of how this pandemic was. Um, it was, there's a lot of darkness, a lot of alone time, a lot of introspection, a lot of thinking about things that maybe you don't really want to think about. Um, because that's all you've got time to do. And, you know, all these things are happening in the world. It's forcing you to think about things bigger than yourself. Um, but I still tried to put a positive spin on it, you know? Um, and we talked about this in our last conversation, but, you know, that's one reason why I love early nineties. Uh, what people call grunge, right? Like that early nineties rock, because it was super serious and super dark, but it was still surprisingly fun rock music. You know, like you, um, I think Alice in Chains is a really good example. Like that first record, it's really hard and it's really dark, but like you can still tell like they're having fun. So that's the type of energy that I tried to bring from a songwriting perspective is that, okay, this is really dark. This could be really, or it could be interpreted as really dark subject matter. How can we lighten it up to make, to give it some balance? Okay. Well, let's maybe add a lot more harmonies. Maybe, maybe don't scream so much on this section. Maybe let's just sing it out. Maybe let's add a, a piano part in the middle of this to just really focus the attention. So, um, the songwriting process for this record was really driven by, you know, kind of like my emotional state during the day. And then, trying to counterbalance that. If it's too dark, let's make it happy. If it's too happy, let's give it a little dark, a little, little darkness on there. Finding your way through that, navigating through all this stuff, how do you view yourself as a writer now compared to the first album? You know, going through the things we all went through and the life changes you had, you know, with having your second child, you know, when you think about how that affected you in your art, where do you see yourself now versus where you saw yourself after the first album? Uh, well, one thing that's changed pretty significantly, and I don't know how many artists would admit this, but, you know, I am really, really less concerned. I, I, okay, let me preface this. I want the most people... I, I want a ton of people to listen to my music, like don't and, and the band's music. I don't want that to be mistaken at all. But at the same time, I think I've learned to really compartmentalize critique and compartmentalize and kind of shrug off and, and care significantly less about what people think about the music that we make. Um, and I, I think that's one bonus to the the pandemic and having the second child is that like. This is, for whatever reason, it's kind of taught me that no, this is this is still my art. Like it, it's definitely a business, and there's you know, you still have to look at you know conversion rates and all that stuff. But like when it comes down to it, it's still an art, and it's my art, it's our art, it's Todd's art that we are putting out there for people to experience and apply their own experiences to. So that's one thing that it's really done and helped me with is really just 
care less about what people think and just make the music that we want to make. Um, and it just so happens that I think in this, with this EP that we, we definitely wanted to make more of, you know, a, a more popular record. You know, when I say popular, like the dark is our single, like there's no guitar solo in it. Um, it's, it's pretty basic as far as, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, nothing groundbreaking there, but I mean, I still want and hope that people can connect with it. And that's what all of this is about, just making connections with people and hoping that they can see, you know, or, or, or can derive, you know, some sort of happiness or some sort of resolve from listening to this music. When you are trying to evolve as an artist and push yourselves and challenge yourselves, um, sometimes it comes easy and sometimes you really got to, you really got to find it. What was this recording like for you? Was it easy for you to meet that challenge or, or, or go down that road of challenging yourself? Was the evolution, you know, the natural next step in your career as an artist? What was that like for you? Well, if it's, if it's easy, you're doing it wrong. In my opinion, if it, if it comes easy, you're doing it wrong. Um, I think the best albums in history come from experimentation and experimentation is, you know, failure, 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 and then success. Right. Um, I don't know. It, it, uh, <laughs> my, my favorite artist of all time, my biggest influence is Prince. I love, I, and I love every bit of his catalog. Um, and I mean every bit of it. Um, and one thing I really admire about him is there is a lot of change from record to record, especially when you get past like the year 2000. You know, once you get past like the gold experience in the like mid 90s, late 90s, it, it's like every record is different. Hey, if I want to make like a, a, a record with myself and a piano, you know, now that may not have been hard for Prince. That would be incredibly hard for me to. But, um, but what I'm getting at is that, um, yes, it, it, it was hard. And to me, it should be hard. You should push yourself. Um, when you push yourself, you, you get new experiences. When you get new experiences, you, you become a better artist. You expand your repertoire. Um, you know, I played piano on this record, which, God, I don't know, last time I played piano may have been when I was like 10 years old and taking piano lessons. Um, it did not come natural. It's very hard. So, but I played piano on this record because I thought that it needed it. And okay, well, let's meet that challenge head on and let's expand our repertoire. So yeah, I, you know, I hope to continue to push myself. Um, in the next EP, you know, I, I, I want to push the sound further. I want to push my abilities further and, and just see where that ends up. Well, you see that you hear that Prince influence from you on the single fashion which preceded the ep which was released earlier this year well that's officially the best compliment i've ever had thank you uh i think i'll, I'll just quit 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 while i'm ahead <laughs> but you you do hear those influences in that i mean that's one of the first things that i heard too is like man there's a lot of prints in this song oh man um well okay i'm blushing appreciate that um uh, no and you know 
one thing that I really admire about, and obviously people need to understand that Prince is one of the best rock guitarists to ever live. Um, and to all the young rock guitar players out there, um, go listen to Prince and, and just, just delve into that catalog and listen to his guitar playing. I mean, you can listen to everything else because depending on the record, it's all him sometimes, you know, but, um, listen to his guitar playing. And I mean, tell me he's not incredible. So, um, but even from like a vocal perspective, um, in, in utilizing different instrumentation, um, and, and just the sheer balls, you know, like to, to do something like Purple Rain and then later in your career go and do something like the Gold Experience to then go do those, um, the, the records in like, you know, the, the 2000s, which are, are like R&B are, are like 3121. Like listen to just 3121 is just like an R&B record or musicology or I don't know. Um, go listen to those records. But um, he does. He did what he wanted to when he wanted to and he disregarded everything else. And I think because he did that, he became the artist that he was. And I, I would love to emulate that. <laughs> Well, I think there's a certain point with artists like him where they've gone down so many avenues and played so many different styles and it almost becomes normal to them, you know, to stay out of that box that his fans want him to stay in. Right. I'm sure every Prince fan would have been fine if he just kept pumping out purple rains after purple rains and they would have been fine with it. But you know, and there's really only a handful of artists that can get kind of stay in that lane where they don't venture too far off. Um, but I think in terms of being an artist, you need that constant challenge. You need that constant change. And I think if any artist is an example of that is Prince, you know, Prince and, and, and even the Beatles and, the, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to think like Led Zeppelin, you know, like when you look at the the evolution of all those artists from beginning to end, there's so much pushing themselves to find that new sound, that experimentation. And I think that's exciting. I, I, I find that exciting as a, as a rock fan when someone does it. And it's not always going to work. There's going to be some clunkers. You know, I mean, we can always identify uh, you know, an album in an artist's catalog that was like, eh, you know, it's, it's not the best or whatever, but they were, but they were going for it though. You got to appreciate that. Um, oh, a thousand percent. What's that? I said, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. You know, even if it's not, even if it's not like your cup of tea, it's probably someone's cup of tea. Exactly. Uh, regardless of how yeah. weird it is. But you know, you mentioned Led Zeppelin. I mean, gosh, listen to Led Zeppelin one and then listen to In Through the Outdoor. Yes. I mean, if you didn't have Robert Plant's like vocal tone, you would be like, these are two different bands. At least I, I, I think that, but, um, just very different sounds. And to me, that's what, that's what makes music exciting. Now, obviously ACDC aside, um, you know, I, I love ACDC and, you know, Angus said it best when, you know, I got really, he said, I got really upset when someone made, we was upset when they said we made, the same record 14 times he said we've made the same record 15 times <laughs> um, but 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 it's it's very unique it's very rock and roll now aside from like acdc i mean 
like I love when I can listen to a different okay like Metallica is a great example and I know that people will give me crap about this too don't care Metallica is a great example where I mean listen to Kill 'Em All and then listen to like you know Reload right like I love that I don't have to listen to 14 you know 14 albums of Kill 'Em All I love Kill 'Em All you know um Four Horsemen was like the first thrash tune I learned on guitar. I love, love, love Kill 'Em All. But to to chart their growth sonically and for them to just not care, I love and I applaud that. And I think that's what every artist should aspire to. Yeah, no, I, I've I had a really interesting conversation about this in the first interview I did with George Lynch about you know that how fans hate it when, when uh, their artists, their favorite artists try to evolve, try to do something different. And it's very hard for artists to, to do that, you know, because they don't want to alienate their fans. I mean, we just talked about Metallica. How many Metallica fans are out there that refuse to listen to anything past injustice for all. Um, And it's, it's quite a few of them. But then you have artists that I've interviewed, you know, on the new music spotlight, whenever I ask them what hooked them and they start talking about Metallica Black album, Metallica Load album. So where they came in, all that stuff before that, I don't want to say doesn't matter to them, but it's a whole different perspective on what they are as a band. So it's 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 really all it's about timing for fans, but it's also, you know, how cool is it? when I grew up listening to kill them all and master of puppets and all that stuff. But then when I listen to some of the new artists that I have on the show talk about, yeah, the black album was, was like the first rock album I heard. That's awesome. Right. I mean, that's, that means that they're, 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 they, the band themselves are appealing to a wider audience. And I never understood why fans don't want that for their favorite bands. Right. They don't, they, they, they want that band to stay where they're at and never evolve and never create new fans and be basically the same band in the first album as they are on the 10th album. That's, I, I don't get it. And you can appreciate the stuff you love, but you can also enjoy the new stuff that, you know, that is different, such as the black album, the load album, reload, all that stuff. I just, I, I, I never understood that perspective from a fan. No, and you know, me neither. And you kind of see the same thing with like genres, right? Like with with like thrash metal fans, like they only listen to thrash metal, or like uh, like classic rock. Like if it's not classic rock, it's crap. Uh, and nothing irritates me more, you know. Um, and I had I forget who I had this Twitter exchange with. Um, uh, it may have been Mitch Lafon. I, I don't know who exactly it was. Um, but we were talking about, you know, just music. And I said, you know, my dad was a jazz horn player. Um, and everything that that entails, you know, um, and he always told me, it was like, you know, son, there's only two kinds of music. There's good and there's bad. And the best part is you get to decide which is which. Um, he would always follow that up with something like, but don't you suck. Um, <laughs> but, um, but th- th- that's kind of what it boils down to. And 
I, I think that I think it's really disheartening and sad when you have music fans that oh I only listen to Bay Area metal that was made between 1981 and 1983 and that's it. And I'm like, dude, you are missing out on so much incredible, not just like heavy tunes or metal bands, but just in general. Um, and I think if you're an artist, I think that you know we are products of our experiences. And music is a big, external music is a big part of that experience. So the more that I can ingest, the more that I can consume as a music listener, the, the better artist I'm going to be. So go out there and listen to all the like, young bands out there. Just go and consume as much weird music as you can. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned it's one of the songs that you wrote when you were 14 years old. How do you stay in front of that? in terms of the music, how do you stay connected to something like that? So one thing that I love about songs, and I'm sure everyone has a song like this, right? Where you listen to a song when you're like 13 or 14, and it says something very unique because of the time period and the experiences that you have. And let's say you don't listen to it for 10 years, but then it pops up again and it has a brand new meaning. And then maybe eight years down the road again, it pops up again and it has another new meaning. Um, you know, that's kind of how you can approach songwriting. You know, if I write a song, if I, if I started off with a song when I was 14 years old or 15 years old, I mean, you think about a, a teenager at 14 or 15. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in your head, like trying to figure out who you are as a person. Like, what's your ethos? Not that you would ever say that as a teenager, but like, you know, Finding out what are your values, what do you find important? You're defining that. That's where you start to define, I think, who you are, who you want to be, um, which is a, a very like pivotal and energetic part in your life. So when I, I have songs or bits of songs that I wrote then, and come to find out, like, wow, you know, during this pandemic and during the birth of my child, these are really pivotal moments. So kind of the, the feelings or the general feeling can apply, and to me, that's kind of the hallmark of a good song, right? Like, can it apply to multiple people in multiple states in multiple, you know, modes of life and it means something and resonate in different ways. So, um, you know, even if I write a song 15 years ago, it doesn't mean you know, it might be bad then. It doesn't mean that it's going to be bad 10 years from now, or, you know, I might be able to revisit it and add something new to it because of, you know, additional experiences that I've had since the initial concept. So staying ahead of that stuff is really just, I think, being in tune with, you know, how you're feeling as a, just a person, but also, you know, being able to listen to a different music and apply what you've listened to and learned. What's next for you guys? I mean, you got this album out. Um, are you going to try to get a tour going with this and play this out? Yeah, we, uh, we actually just started booking shows in February. Um, and you know, what I love, uh, about social media is getting to meet other artists. And, you know, we met Abby Kay, you know, not that long ago and she's made the move to Nashville. So we're really excited to start booking some shows with her. Um, some other, there's another great local band here in Nashville called the Ivans, which I would totally recommend you guys go check out. Um, and anyone listening, please go listen to their stuff. Love it. Um, but 
yeah, we start booking, we started booking for February and we're just going to kind of see where it takes us. Uh, you know, I love playing live. I love being on stage. Um, and what you're going to see different, you know, this time around is there's going to be a significant amount of the set where I don't have a guitar there. There's going to be two other guitar players. You know, we've added a, another guitar player. So some songs, there's going to be three guitars on stage, but at some point in, in the set, you're going to see me without a guitar, which I'm actually super stoked about. Um, cause I love getting to like move around and jump around on stage. Um, I'll do it with a guitar, but with, without the added weight of a less call, hopefully I'll be able to do some more, you know, <laughs> crazy on stage antics or something. But yeah, so we're looking at playing shows and then we've be, be in perfect, you know, Prince mentality. You know, we finished that EP and we're already working on the next one. Um, so, and that one is taking us in a very different direction. Um, and, you know, that one will probably be released in the next, you know, four-ish months. Um, and that's one thing that we, we want to do next year is we want to produce a lot of music. We never want to stop being creative. Uh, you know, it may not always be an EP. It might be a single. You know, it might be a full length. Who knows? Um, so I think that, on our current EP, it's a vibe, you know, um, track number four is you'll never know. And that is an eight and a half minute long song. And we have gotten a stupid amount of compliments on it, which I was not expecting at all, which leads me to believe that, Hey, the people that listen to our music are going to be pretty okay with us. Maybe, you know, doing some different stuff on the next EP. So um, we're, we're, we're planning shows, we're planning more music. Um, and, and yeah, we, we just don't want to stop. Well, continued success with this album. I think it's great material, great music. Uh, you know, you mentioned Abby K. She's been on the show here a few times. She was just on the show last week. Um, excited for her, excited for the opportunity she's getting. And, I think being in music right now is such an exciting time being an artist as well. And when you put out an album that like you guys did an EP, like you guys did, it's exciting for fans too, as well. I think this album is excellent. It's a fantastic EP and everyone should go get it. It's on all streaming platforms. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. You can go to the website, uh, faustband.com. And can you get it in a physical form? Uh, you will be able to in uh, March, assuming we don't have any more supply chain issues. Yeah, I'm still waiting on some vinyl as well. So, um, <laughs> but you can find them also on Facebook and YouTube, obviously on Twitter at Faust Band. Um, go check them out. You'll enjoy the music. Uh, it's, it's really, really good. So thanks again, Chris, for being on the, on the podcast. Well, thank you, Jay. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do and just applaud your support of independent music. So thank you. My pleasure, man. I love doing it and, uh, love hearing the different stories and hearing all about different bands and artists. So thanks again. All right, everybody. I'm Jay Scott. This is the hook rocks. Thanks for tuning in once again. Take care of each other out there. Stay safe. And we will talk again soon. Thanks.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.